Alexander. Shabbat for three. Bingo! Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. He is hard to believe. Here's Jordan. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another edition of our post-game recaps. 21-22 season. Before we get started, please make sure to subscribe on YouTube at Dime Dripper Podcast, Apple Podcasts, follow us on Spotify, and of course, to follow us on all social media platforms at Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at Dime Dropper Pod. For tonight's episode, it's tonight, the favorite night of Dime Dropper fam, the Hallway series, I almost said freeway series, the hallway series, Lakers, Clippers, both of my, the teams that I, I focus on, watch every single night, our LA teams going up against each other for the second time this season. I was busy for the first matchup this season in which the Clippers won on the Lakers floor. Paul George and LeBron James played in that one. They would not play tonight, but they wouldn't be the only ones missing the game tonight. For the Clippers, we missed Davidsa Zubat, second straight game out with the calf injury. I really hope that's not serious. I I'm pretty sure I mentioned that in the last game. Actually, I didn't. I don't think I was. I don't think I was live for the last game because, yeah, that was the night that I was. Uh, I thought I had COVID, so I did not go live last game against the Pacers. But two straight games missed for Zoo, and then, obviously, the Clippers missing Kawhi. But Marcus Morris Senior back tonight after a little absence. You know, his friend passed away, and I don't think he was right in the right mental space. But boy, was he in the right mental space tonight. Because he had a performance, all right. Starting lineup for the Lakers was the same as last night. Anthony Davis, Stanley Johnson, Malik Monk, Avery Bradley, and Russell Westbrook for the Clippers. Reggie Jackson, Amir Coffey, Nico Batum, Marcus Morris Sr., and Serge Ibaka. And the beginning of the game was very sloppy. Both teams came out a little cold. I remember one team being two for six, another being one for five or something like that. A couple turnovers back and forth. And honestly, the Clippers were getting some good shots. We just weren't knocking them down. Reggie Jackson started out a bit cold. But one thing that I liked was Serge Ibaka. All night established himself in the paint area. And he caught the ball deep and finished around the rim with his little jump hooks. And anytime he had a switch or the Laker defense was in rotation and a smaller guy was on him, he called for the ball. He posted up deep. He got good position or just in transition rim running. I thought that the Clippers did a really good job tonight of pushing the pace from quarter one more than the Lakers did. And we're not really a fast-paced team, but I thought we did a pretty good job of pushing the pace. We had 10 fast break points to their seven. And a couple of those were Serge Ibaka, just running the floor, going hard to the basket. A couple of them, he put the ball on the floor in like Euro step and, you know, did that little go uh, one, two, and finish, and got an N one at one point. So Serge Ibaka, I thought, did a really good job of setting the tone. But one thing that was very apparent with the Lakers is Russell Westbrook, as, at least in the first quarter, besides like the first two or three plays, throughout the game, I should say, he started to defer to Malik Monk a lot more. Malik Monk, for example, took 19 shots tonight. Westbrook... 18 shots, and I think it was actually more of an adjustment as the game went on. Russell Westbrook came out somewhat aggressive, and, you know, as a Clipper fan, with the way Russell Westbrook has been shooting this season, I'm very okay with him 
shooting. And the Clippers were going underneath screens a lot, basically every time with Russ. And that's really been limiting his downhill opportunities and abilities to playmake for other guys. And tonight, Russell Westbrook was one of five in the first quarter. And one of those was just a three from straight away, which, again, I don't think he should be taking. And one thing I've noticed about Russ, he's not great with his left hand finishing around the basket unless he's about eye level with the rim or going up against a big challenging when he's just trying to get by somebody and there's a guard on his hip or a forward on his hip or he's running into traffic. He does not finish well with the left hand, and he was not finishing well tonight or last night with the left hand. And, yeah, I was very comfortable. The only shot he made was that bank shot that, Ends up getting memed so much from the left side of the court. But the one thing that strikes me. <coughs> sorry, guys. I'm still a little bit sick. But the one thing that strikes me every time I play the Lakers. Anthony Davis. We have no answer for him. But there are too many stretches within a game that the guy just isn't aggressive enough for me. And, you know, you might look at the game tonight and think he had 24 shots. That was the most of anybody in the game for either team. He was plenty aggressive. I still think there are times with the amount of shots put up in today's game, mind you, 88 shots taken by the Lakers tonight. Sometimes I feel like the guy should shoot 30 shots. I mean, not even with LeBron on the court, but there are times where it's like, he comes down the court, right, to start the game. He gets a lob on a Malik Monk pick and roll. And that's something that I'm seeing the Lakers go to more is that Malik Monk high pick and roll with AD as opposed to Russ. Because with Malik Monk, you can't go underneath the screen. You have to go over the screen. So Malik Monk has done a good job of showing guys that not only is he a good shooter, which everybody knows, but he can put the ball on the deck and make the pass on the roll. And he was doing that with Anthony Davis tonight. So... That was posing a little bit of a threat for us. Now, the one thing that really was another boost was Marcus Morris Sr. took no time in getting back into the swing of things. He was making his open threes. He was getting to his mid-range. He had a turnover his right shoulder in the first quarter, pull up mid-range off the catch. You know, remember last season I said Marcus Morris Sr. off the catch, top percentile in the league. That's not a statistic. I'm just saying he's one of the best last season off the catch because he's a really good shooter even when it's a tight, when it's a, a good contest, when you're closing out closing out hard and get a, still a good hand up. But he can also pump fake and take one, two steps in and get a mid-range. Not go all the way. That's not his game. But step into that mid-range or sidestep into a three or another thing he did late in the game, which we'll get to. But Marcus Morris Sr. gave us a good lift along with Serge Ibaka. And one thing I really liked was that Reggie Jackson did not force it. You know, no Kawhi, no Paul George. It's easy for Reggie Jackson to say, you know what, I got to come out and get some shots. And he only shot two shots in the first quarter, which I liked. He was letting other guys get going. He was letting Marcus Morris Sr. get going. And when they threw two guys at him, he made the right pass, found Serge Ibaka with a smaller guy, because that's the thing about this small ball lineup. Every time Anthony Davis gets pulled out of the paint, the rotation, the biggest guy they could have out there is Stanley Johnson, and that's good game planning by Ty Lue. He knows that if it's not Stanley Johnson rotating, it's going to be either Westbrook, Monk, or Bradley, and we caught a lot of them on those switches and rotations, and Serge Ibaka did the business. Another thing that the Lakers like to do, especially because of Anthony Davis, is the late switch. So they'll be in drop coverage where the ball handler is trailing Reggie Jackson and Anthony Davis is backing up, getting ready for him to, basically inviting him to come into him for a floater or layup. But when Reggie Jackson knows that Anthony Davis is doing that and he'll pull it out, 
that's the late switch where Anthony Davis will stay on him and he'll be okay being on an island. But the flip side of that is you're allowing the switch with whoever was guarding Reggie on whoever was AD was guarding, which in this case tonight was Serge Ibaka. And we took advantage of that in plenty of ways. That being said, the Lakers, Taylor Horton Tucker came in and was hitting shots. Carmelo Anthony came in and was hitting shots. Tough shots as well. Carmelo more open threes, but THT hit some nice, you know, going to his left, one-legged faders, which if you watch Laker games, you know that he has in his bag. And THT, two games in a row where I liked his offensive output. Nine points tonight for him, four to seven. He only had one turnover, two assists. So he was not Taylor Horton turnover tonight. I thought, if anything, he maybe should have played even more. Only played 21 minutes. He had a zero plus minus, and he wasn't bad at all. And he was, yeah, not bad. First quarter, though, 28-26. The Clippers took the lead going into the second quarter. And the second quarter, again, very similar, you know, kind of back and forth. Luke Kennard, I thought, did a good job of coming in, knocking down shots. We already know what Luke does. And one thing I just love about our offense is it's not just with, like, Glenn River style high pick and roll. Like, that's what the bad teams and average teams in today's NBA do, just spam high pick and roll. But the good teams, the Phoenix Suns, obviously the Warriors, that goes without, say, the Miami Heat. These teams do a lot of high pick and roll because that's modern NBA, but they mix in other things. Other creative sets, you know, for example, like Luke Kennard, he's always coming off pin downs, he's always getting screens uh, on the baseline, and he's always curling from left to right or right to left to the top of the key, you know what I'm saying? And like sometimes we'll have a curl, and if the curl's not there, then Luke Kennard will come back the other way and get a dribble handoff with the big. Like just little counters like that, creativity in our offensive sets, and that's what Ty Lue does. He, he thinks outside the box, and he's an actual tactician, not a bot sitting on the bench with a raspy-ass voice that needs lotion poured down it immediately. Okay, that was a joke. Anyway, Luke Kennard was knocking down his shots. You know, four of seven, he did not get that many looks tonight, but when he did, he did his thing with them. You know, two of four from three in the beginning of the second quarter, he stepped into the mid-range cash coming off a screen, I believe. And one thing I really noticed tonight in the second quarter especially was Austin Reeves. And it was not what you want to hear, Laker fans. Austin Reeves has that, who the fuck is this white boy look on his on him? And whenever you see teams play against the Lakers, they try to go at Austin Reeves, but it doesn't usually work because they get surprised that he actually holds his own on defense. Tonight was not one of those nights. Eric Bledsoe went at him in the first possession that he had the ball against him. He went at his chest and scored. Then the next time down, if I'm not mistaken, he shot, stopped an, on a dime and shot a mid-range over him. And I just remember us going at Austin Reeves in the beginning of the game. Oh, and also, we went to a pick and roll. Eric Bledsoe, bounce pass, pocket pass to Isaiah Hartenstein. And that is becoming a good connection off the bench, Clipper Nation. Watch out for that. Eric Bledsoe, Isaiah Hartenstein. But overall, and it came back to bite the Lakers in the last play of the game, we were going at Austin Reeves all night tonight, and he looked a little bit flustered. Like, he was backing up on guys' drives. And usually, Reeves takes charges. He stands up strong. He gets right into the, you know, right into the space, predicting that the guy's going to come into him. But, you know, Terrence Mann coming at him full speed, he was backing up. Marcus Morris Sr., that's just not a good matchup for him. You know what I'm saying? Just different things we threw at. Even Reggie Jackson, he was taking him to the house tonight. And we saw that late in the game. So I'm not saying it's a big deal, but Austin Reeves, that was something of note for me. And Eric Bledsoe did a great job in the first half. I emphasize first half. Isaiah Hartenstein, we know he's great with that push shot. He seems like he's still not really getting the minutes that he was getting before he got injured. He only played 14 minutes tonight. And, you know, the analytics are the plus, 
plus minus isn't really analytics, but minus 12 was not good. Although I don't think that was very indicative of his performance. I thought he was fine. Six rebounds, six points. Uh, I just thought he was in in a lineup that, you know, in that third quarter we'll get to was uh, no no good. And if that was Frank Vogel that made that lineup decision to take the two hottest players, Reggie Jackson, Marcus Morris Sr. out the game, Laker fans would have been calling for their head. As I said, not every coach is flawless. But again, you also can't predict the future. And at the end of the day, I don't blame coaches, especially when Ty Lue is so great. But anyway, that's not to say that Vogel's not been at fault this season. You guys listen to my lives. You know what I think. But anyway, it was only a five-point game in this going into halftime. And a big reason of that, even though it was neck-to-neck the whole way, remember what I talked about last night about when AD comes back into games, he sometimes like takes a while to get back into the swing of things? Late in that second quarter, you know, he got offensive rebounds, he got some putbacks, he was being more aggressive. There was one time where, I think actually, no, I think that was early third quarter, but, you know, Anthony Davis, towards the end of the quarter, started getting going again and got six more points and had 15 at halftime. He had 15 in each half. But again, there's just a feeling where, like, bro, just take over the game. Like, make us double-team you every time down the court. Now, I know what some might say, you know, that's not good basketball. It doesn't get everybody in rhythm. But, like, here's the thing, man. You got to play to your strengths. LeBron's not out there. Like, I know, yeah, you're you're probably thinking, like, they're going to double off of Russ or something. That's when Russ needs to dive. And if he doesn't dive, get out of the game. Like, seriously. Because he's not bringing much on defense. Like, this this idea that, you know, don't bring Russell Westbrook off the bench because you need to keep his ego in check. But this idea that if he's not playing well, you can't sit him. No, that's not a thing. You know what I'm saying? If AD's getting double teamed and he's standing at the three-point line, which nobody cares about, nobody's worried about, he needs to dive to the fucking basket. Or if he's not, get him out of the game because he does not play good enough defense. He played good defense today when everyone else was playing good defense when the momentum started to shift and I love Russell Westbrook but we need to be real right now right everybody has given Russell Westbrook credit his whole career for being that guy that gives 110% every night and that was true for the majority of his career but there is two sides to this game and he does not always give 100% on defense and that needs to be accounted for and because of that he does not get a pass just because of who he is to stay in the game when he is not playing well and I'm not saying tonight was one of those nights because he ate in the fourth quarter I'm just saying generally speaking going forward you know, and that's just a result of me saying that I think that Anthony Davis needs to dip, like, I know he's not Kobe, I know he's not Shaq, I know he's not Giannis, but when I watch Joel Embiid and Jokic in the same era as Davis, who I don't believe are insanely more talented than him, they attract double teams all the time. Anthony Davis may not be the best passer out of the double, but man, how do you think he's going to get better at it? get that double and you know a couple times we showed soft doubles and like shading and loading up and it's so much easier to load up when you're standing 18 feet away from the basket when you're 10 feet away from the basket you have to worry about the defensive three second violation if you're loading up or a cutter right behind you you know what I'm saying and I just think that Anthony Davis at times at stretches throughout the game when you look at the box score you say oh he shot 24 shots what do you want him to do shoot 30 it affects momentum sometimes there are too many possessions where he's just screening for Malik Monk no go demand the ball and dominate put pressure on our defense you know what I'm saying I don't think and when he does it like there was one play where Shaq showed it at halftime he got he sealed deep in the restricted area and got a dunk why can't he fight for that kind of position more oh because it takes a lot out of him so are we saying that his endurance is not good enough to be a super like sorry not a superstar an all-time great a Jokic and Embiid and I'm not even saying Embiid is like some all-time great that AD is not you know what I'm saying because AD has done more in his career but Jokic is all-time great and on that trajectory 
And you know what I'm saying? He's one of the best players in Nuggets history. Everybody's calling him the best passing big man ever. I don't make comments about ever because I'm not there yet. And I'm, and you know, not to brag, but I know I have more historical knowledge than 99% of people that talk hoop, especially at my age. Uh, I don't, I shouldn't have said 99%. 99% of people that talk hoop at my age. And, you know, I don't make claims like that. But Jokic, man, he's exceptional and a one-of-a-kind talent and probably the best passing big man ever. And I'm not saying AD is that, but AD also has gifts that Jokic doesn't have. And, you know, it just it's very disappointing to see that. 30 points? Why don't you go out for 40 one night, man? Like, I'm serious, dude. Every single time I'm watching the game and we play against AD, what do I say to you Laker fans? LeBron has never really scared me that much in a game. Ever in his career. The only time he scared me and he was like, I was like, damn, what are we going to do about this fool? Was the game in March 2020 before the bubble, before the pandemic happened. And you guys remember that Sunday the Lakers beat us after they beat the Bucks. That game, LeBron was just picking us apart. He was getting Lou Williams in that pick and roll. He's dominating. But overall, the way that AD can affect the game on both ends and how there's no defense for him sometimes when he wants to be aggressive, there's nothing we can do. And I was like, every time Malik Monk shoots uh a deep three or a semi-contested three or Russ shoots any sort of shot or Stanley Johnson, who, by the way, is scared of shooting, you know, is one of three. He's offensively a liability and I'm okay with anyone shooting besides Anthony Davis as a Clipper fan. So you're, that's the thing. When I'm saying this as a fan, that's the team. The Clippers are feeling the same way. I can promise you. I can promise you that they're okay with everybody else shooting. Anyways, we go into the second half, right? And for the second consecutive night, the Lakers have not started out with enough intensity in the third quarter. They came out lackadaisical last night. That's what got the Blazers up six points. And tonight, they were just kind of going through the motions, and we punched them in the mouth to start the third quarter. And one of the reasons why was because Reggie Jackson hit a, a three before halftime, and he got that momentum, like get feeling himself going into that second half. And he started knocking down shots. He started knocking down threes. Some even contested. One where Anthony Davis from the right wing was inviting him to shoot. And he was still a good contest. And Reggie still made it. And Marcus Morris Sr. started getting hot too. He was making his threes. He was making his pull-ups. Him and Reggie Jackson completely dominated that third quarter for us. And, you know, it's just, it was huge. It was a huge lift. Huge lift. And the Lakers, you know, Russell Westbrook really deferred to Malik Monk in that third quarter in my eyes. And Malik Monk was doing a lot of pick and rolls with AD. A couple of them where he was getting some good looks. But again, 34-28. And by the way, if you're wondering what did the Lakers do wrong defensively, I apologize to you Laker fans, but I was I was looking at this game from a very, you know, Clipper-centric view. So in the third quarter, I don't know why you didn't play great defensively. But it also has to be noted that Carmelo Anthony, for anybody that missed the game tonight, got a hamstring injury in the second quarter. And that really affected the game because Carmelo has been one of the better scorers this season for the Lakers. Uh, as inconsistent as he's been, he's still been one of the more consistent players in the Lakers, which is ridiculously funny and, and an oxymoron, it sounds like, but it's true. And it's a big loss if he's out for a little while because, especially with LeBron out, Melo, especially at Staples Center, man, he's been hooping this season. Like, offensively, you know on defense he's a slouch and does nothing, but he's been freaking hooping this season, man. And Russell Westbrook, yes, as I said, only shot twice in the third quarter. And honestly, that's a good thing. But, again, he made a shot around the basket, and then his one miss was a three. Again, you can live without those threes. Totally live without them. And Anthony Davis, 
Again, he played the entire third quarter, but it just, it was late third quarter, it felt like, when he started scoring again. And, you know, I also want to say Serge Ibaka, again in the third quarter, when Reggie started gaining respect of hitting floaters, and, you know, he hit two floaters in that third quarter, Reggie, and that makes the big man like AD step up, and that leaves a smaller man who rotated on to Serge, as I said before, and Serge was feasting, and we did a great job of feeding him. You know, it was one time Nicholas Patum fed him down low, and he scored, and he was doing his thing, man. He was doing his thing. But there was a large stretch, again, where AD wasn't really scoring in that third quarter. I mean, we went up by 14. And then again, I like when AD gets to the line. Like, you know what I'm saying? As a, as a, If you're looking at it from a Laker view, I like when he gets to the line. And he got to the line a couple times in that third. But, you know, it was, again, the end of the quarter where Anthony Davis scored like six points in the last four minutes. Yeah, he scored six points in the third quarter in the last four minutes. And he played the entire quarter. And, you know, he had eight points. But again, it's like... It's like, it feels like I'm asking too much, but like, I feel like I'm not because like, this is a guy that's one of the most talented players I've I've just ever seen. And it's like, yeah, I do know who he is at this point, but I've seen it from him. And it's not, look, and if you're trying to, if you're, don't make, don't think that I'm saying that AD cost them the game. Like AD was the best player for the Lakers tonight still. But I think Malik Monk, a lot of it was initiating that offense on pick and rolls. And sometimes I feel like, you know, I know it's old school and I'm an old school kind of fan. I think... Um, you know, I think that he should just ask for the ball more in those straight up post-ups and put more pressure on the defense because when you do pick and rolls, if the defense is smart enough to take away AD's lob and, you know, yeah, rotate in and pack the paint on AD's lob, that will force the Malik Monk or Russell Westbrook when they're going downhill to kick it out for a three-point shooter and everybody's okay with the Lakers shooting threes. But anyway... Lakers ended the third quarter well, led by Anthony Davis, and that set the stage for a fourth quarter in which the Lakers really turned the tide of the game and changed the momentum. You know, when Eric Bledsoe, Terrence Mann, and Brandon Boston Jr. came in for Senior, Coffee, and Reggie, the game flipped. We couldn't score without Reggie and Senior. Eric Bledsoe was not getting the same looks. He took some really ill-advised shots, some really bad jump shots. And a lot of that was because the Laker guards were fighting through screens harder. You know what I mean? Just playing harder. And when Austin Reeves made a had a dunk and the Lakers got the challenge overturned on the Anthony Davis blocking Isaiah Hartenstein, that started changing the game's momentum. The fans, the Laker portion of the crowd started getting loud. You started hearing it. And you knew that the game was kind of turning. And you know who really turned the tide of the game? was Russell Westbrook himself. And I started to get scared a little bit. Russell Westbrook going to the rim at Isaiah Hardenstein. Layup. Luke Kennard misses a three. Russell Westbrook comes on and gets an and one. Hand in the cookie jar and he made the mid-range. That cut the game down to six. And I'm starting to get nervous here, man. I was starting to get nervous. And one thing I have to say, too, is Brandon Boston Jr.'s jump shot has been concerning me of late. You know, I think he's honestly getting his looks. He's getting opportunities. And it just seems like he's not going to get that many looks, if you know what I mean. Like, he's not going to be a huge rotation piece this year. And he's unless he makes shots in those smaller looks he gets, he's not going to get the ability to get heavy minutes. You know what I'm saying? He was only one of four tonight, and he only played 10 minutes, and that's because he wasn't doing enough in that time. He was minus eight. And this, at this point, that stat is not misleading because Brandon didn't do much. You know, he had a wide-open three, and he missed it badly. It went off the glass and came off the rim. 
Um, and then he had a mid-range that he, the only shot he made was a mid-range where they ran him off the line, he stepped in, and it was wide open. And then a couple of shots, he got decent looks and couldn't hit. And that was tough, going from Senior and Reggie to that. And Russell Westbrook, ooh, he poured it on in that fourth quarter. You know, I talked about the layup, I talked about the end one, and then he got right to the, it was a mid-range, I believe. But yeah, look, we we brought back Marcus Morris Sr. Uh, and Reggie Jackson at the 8.08 mark. Reggie Jackson came back in. Marcus Morris Sr. at the 7.27 mark when we were only up by four. And Reggie Jackson immediately restored order. Uh, he got to the basket and scored. And then when Marcus Morris Sr. got the technical at the seven-minute mark, again, another turn in momentum. I was a little afraid there that Sr. was losing his cool a bit. AD made the technical free throw to get it down to five. And then Malik Monk made, cut it down to four. And I was starting to get real nervous. And the Lakers' intensity on defense totally changed. They were fighting through screens. The, le- the refs... Here's the thing about like basketball, guys, is when momentum starts to shift and you, then you notice the team plays better defense, sometimes you'll also notice the refs will let them get away with more because they notice the momentum is exciting. You know, a run can be made. Runs are good for basketball. They're working hard on defense, and the refs are going to reward that too. And they were doing that with the Lakers. And I'm not saying like the refs were helping them. I'm saying that that's just basketball. And the Lakers, if and you, you think if you're a Laker fan, imagine if they had that intensity in the third quarter. You know what I'm saying? And that's what pisses you off. You know what I'm saying? All this Vogel shit, every single space, Twitter space I go to with Lakers, Vogel, Palenka, they don't want to blame the players. They don't want to put accountability on the players for their inconsistent effort. You know, the Clippers had a slump, but you know, I never was going to say it was a lack of effort. I just think that we're offensively limited sometimes and with without Paul and all these guys. And when we don't have Senior and Reggie in the game and they're, when they're hitting and teams are playing pretty solid defense, it's going to be hard for us to score, especially when Brandon's not hitting shots and he's one of the guys in the court space in the floor for us. But it's all about that effort, guys, all about it. And Malik Monk, man, he was really aggressive. He was like challenge. like we know Malik Monk has bounce, you know what I'm saying? He was going right at the rim, challenging dudes. Ibaka, Arnstein, he didn't care. He was going right there. He was putting a lot of pressure on our defense, to be honest. Even though he does shoot a lot of jump shots, he was putting a lot of pressure on our defense. But Marcus Morris Sr. had a big shot going to his right from the mid-range area to give us Lawler's Law. First to 100 wins, it's the law. And tonight, the law was not broken, thank God, as the Clippers came out with the win, 111-110. But to get there, by the way, I know it was, it was a weird move, but Trevor Ariza came in the game midway through the third quarter when the Lakers were playing terribly, and he was actually a plus 14. They made a run with Ariza in the game. He didn't shoot more than two shots. He shot two threes and made one of them. That run was to make it 100-97. to But you, when a coach throws in a player that has not played in the second half of a game when they're losing, that's a sign of, I'm out of ideas. Let's just throw shit at the wall and hope it sticks. And it was sticking. And I, I would be shocked if a reason didn't get more minutes next game. But again, are we doing that? Are we throwing shit to the wall and hoping it sticks? We're at game 53 of the season for the Lakers, and we're still throwing shit to the wall. We're still working out rotations. You know, with I know there's been injuries, but it's like, you know why they don't have... There's a reason why the Clippers, even with injuries, have found some kind of continuity in the starting lineup. Because we're actually winning. And I know we only have three... We're three games better than Lakers, but... <laughs> 
Three games with the expectations is a different kind of feel around the dressing room, around the locker room, than what the Lakers have with all the outside noise going on, with all the pressure that they've had. It's different. It's totally different. And again, to finish off the recap of the game and then get into the comments and live subscribers and the great crazy ending to the game. Ooh, Reggie Jackson, after Ariza made that three, took Austin Reeves right to the basket, on the baseline, right to the basket. And again, that was going back to that point about Austin Reeves. He was getting attacked on defense. Anthony Davis, right after that, though, came down and shot a three. Again, why? Why? That's a W for us. That's a W. And right after that, Malik Monk got a technical foul. Thankfully for the Lakers, Luke Kennard missed. But I thought, again, Reggie Jackson was so good, you know, got getting to the basket, continuing to put pressure on the Laker defense throughout the second half, and he made two free throws to put us up by seven, 104 to 97. And I thought we were home free. But oh boy, I was wrong again when Russell Westbrook made a three. Russell Westbrook. <laughs> and then when Reggie came down and missed, when we got that five-second violation with under two minutes left, you knew shit was about to get crazy. Malik Monk, had an and one tip on his own miss. And again, one thing that really was not good enough for us tonight was when Malik Monk was going to the basket and Serge Ibaka was helping, somebody's got, I know it's a really long rotation to make because in today's NBA is everybody at the three-point line, but when the ball's in the paint, you've got to sink and get ready when he puts that up to get, if, if Ibaka's going to jump, you need to put a body on his man. And that's tough in this era because of the rotations are so far away. But also because, you know, you got to kind of when if you start sinking too early, if you got a good enough guy on the ball, they'll find the open man in the corner that you're helping off of. But that's why it's all about timing and angles and positioning. And you just got to know when to help and when to come. And that's all about just the feel of the game. You know, your positional awareness and your awareness of which what of timing. You know what I'm saying? And we were doing a poor job. That's why Anthony Davis, Monk, these guys got offensive rebounds. And Ty talked about it when they interviewed him after the quarter. That, you know, when, when Serger Isaiah goes up for a block, we need a rotation to take AD off the glass. And when AD's offensive rebounding like he was tonight late in the game, just like last night late in the game, it does wonders for his game. It does wonders. Russell Westbrook hit a go-ahead corner shot from the right side. To put the Lakers up 105-104 with a minute three left. And I was like, wow. Like, is Russ about to carry them to a W right here? Just taking over this fourth quarter with like nine points. and Or eight points. No, yeah, nine points. But Reggie Jackson came back the other way. Got to the rim. Off the glass with a bucket. And then, you know what's crazy? The Lakers came down the other way. Russell Westbrook and Malik Monk, I believe it was a pick and pop. I knew the second Malik Monk shot that shot, it was going in. Because one thing we've noticed about Monk in Charlotte Kentucky and the Lakers, that guy's clutch. That guy is clutch. He made the, I don't I think it was the San Antonio game earlier this season where he made a huge shot, and he's had some big shots this season. He just has that factor, that clutch factor. But when Marcus Morris Sr. and by the way, the Clipper ball movement throughout the game was just fantastic. Like extra passes when the Lakers were doubling Marcus Morris Sr. loading up, we we made a, we did a good job of guys cutting. You know Reggie Jackson even he's, I always criticize him for not moving without the ball tonight. Went into the middle, flashed middle, got the ball, and even made a little turnaround jump hook, you know, with Anthony Davis next to him uh, off of Marcus Moore's senior pass. But speaking of senior, pump fake in the left corner, fly by, and instead of stepping into the mid-range, he took one 
his took his right foot forward and then dragged it back behind the line for a three and made it. And one thing about Marcus Morris Sr., man, he is also clutch. He has a knack for the dagger. And that left quarter is his spot exactly where he gamed the Dallas Mavericks in game seven that I was at. And it's in the vlog of the playoffs last year. And he made that exact same shot, except there was no pump fake in the Mavs series. But he made that exact from that exact spot tonight to give us the lead. It was a huge shot. But then a great play drawn up by Frank Vogel, a little pick and roll slip screen from AD, or it was a kind of a slip. It was like a mixture of a pick, regular pick and roll and a kind of a slip. He he rolled really quickly and he got that nice lob. Westbrook made a great pass. We had no timeouts remaining, and Reggie Jackson wanted the switch with Austin Reeves. You could tell, and we were hunting Austin Reeves that whole fourth quarter with the Marcus Morris Senior thing, getting trying to get him switched on him. Because the Lakers, you know, they, they had trouble defending the pick and roll straight up because they don't have switch everything personnel. And Ibaka was getting those baskets around the rim. So they went to switch everything. And what happened was Reggie Jackson got Reeves on the switch. He tried to go baseline. Russ came and double teamed him because he's like, okay, Re- Re- Reggie's got the hot hand. Austin's been struggling. But, and the TNT crew was talking about this a lot, it wasn't a good enough double. He kind of hesitated for a split second and he did not build a wall. Reggie spun to spun over his right shoulder and got right to the middle and split. Russell Westbrook went for the ball and just did not get it. I think if he was a step closer and there was less room for him to split to, he could have gotten his hand on it or he could have just been there the second Reggie turned into his body. You know what I'm saying? Russ was not in front of bro. And Reggie spun and finished around the rim. Unbelievable play. AD came back the other way for a runner, and I thought it was going to make it. It was in and out. It looked good on his release, and Reggie Jackson, for the second time this season, makes a game winner at the Staples Center to win the Clippers the ball game. 111-110 is the final in the freeway freeway series, the hallway series. The Clips move on at 27-27, and 27, the Lakers to 25-28. and 28. The Lakers... Both teams did not turn the ball over much tonight. 11 for the Lakers, 10 for the Clips. The Clippers shot 52% from the field. Lakers, 46.6%. The three-pointers, though, for both teams, pretty good, and neither team took too many. Lakers, 11 of 29, 38%. But again, AD and Russ don't have to take any. Um, and then the Clippers shot great from deep, 13 of 30, 43%. But the Lakers did get to the line a lot more than we did. So that's good. And that's when Anthony Davis is being aggressive. You know, six of seven from the foul line. He finished with 30 points and 17 rebounds, seven of those offensive rebounds. So as far as dominating the glass, I think AD's been great since he came back. I just like to see him be a little bit more aggressive in stretches of the game where he can dominate, demand double teams, and get the defense being like, what the fuck are we going to do about you? But Westbrook, 17 points, six rebounds, four assists, four assists as a result of not getting opportunities to make get guys open because no one's helping off of him because he's not getting by guys frequently enough he got by guys a couple times today but if Dwight Howard's out there that big man's rotating over and contesting and it's no big deal anyway and of course we're going under screens with Russ seven of 18 from the field one of five from three I don't know why he thinks he needs to shoot five threes you know he's shooting you know the second most threes in the game for the for the Lakers it's not good enough Monk 21 points, 7 rebounds, 7 assists. He was the second-best player for the Lakers tonight. 8 of 19 from the field, 3 of 8 from 3. And, yeah, Austin Reeves, 5 points in 25 minutes, 2 of 2 from the field. 
plus six, but he was really getting attacked on defense. So see that plus minus. I don't think Reed's had a great game tonight. I think that he played hard like he always does, but he ended up being he got scored on a lot. It was noticeable, guys. And when it's noticeable, that's not a good thing. Clippers. Nico Batum, only four points, only got six shots off, two of six from the field, and 0 of two from three. I think the Lakers did a good job just making sure they didn't help off of him, and, you know, he didn't get many looks. Marcus Morris Sr. was just phenomenal, though. My player of the game. Actually, no, I got to go to Reggie. He made the game winner, but Sr., 29 points on 11 of 16 shooting. Wow. Six of seven from deep. That's unbelievable. And zero turnovers, too. Surge, one of his best games in a Clipper uniform. 20 points, was finishing everything around the rim, was being very aggressive and physical with AD. And he did get away with some fouls. And funny because he had fouls, five fouls. He could have fouled out. But 9 of 15 from the field. And he only shot two threes, missed them both. So I'm happy he wasn't getting three happy because they're giving it to him. So 60% shooting for Surge. Three guys in our starting lineup with 20-plus points. The third one being the game-winning man, the... Man, with 2020 Reggie vision, baby. 10 out of 20 for Reg. 3 of 7 from deep. I think 22 of his points came in the second half. I'm pretty sure that 3 was the only shot he made in the first half to, uh, towards the end of the first quarter, uh, second quarter. Reggie Jackson's second game winner of the season. He made every big play down the stretch. He is not afraid of anything. The herky-jerky motherfucker split that double team, that half-assed double team, to perfection. And then Luke Kennard... 10 points, 4 of 7 from the field, 2 of 4 from 3. You would have hoped to see him get more shots, but the Lakers definitely tightened up uh, getting over screens. Eric Bledsoe, 7 points, 3 rebounds, 7 assists. Great first half, not a very good second half. 3 of 8 for Eric, but a big win. And now, thank you for joining me, guys. We're going to go to the live subscribers. Wait, no so patiently in the chat. If you have any questions about my MVP pick, uh, my new front runner, Joel Embiid, if you have any questions about that, go ahead and ask. If you want me to talk about why not John Morant, why not Jokic on the next episode, I can do that. Make sure to check out my latest video, part two of What Went Wrong with Mellow's Knicks with my boy Fabian Perspective. Check his channel out. Subscribe. We went in depth. This one was about the poverty years, about one of the most famous fights of the 2000s, Isaiah Thomas and why he was such a bad GM for the Knicks, and when Stefan Marbury famously ate Vaseline. Peace out, y'all. Go Clippers. Huge win. Reggie Jackson, you're my dad.